When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. You're listening to the Higher Purpose Podcast, episode 34. I'm Kevin Monroe, and it's my privilege to serve as your host and guide for this amazing journey exploring higher purpose in business, life, and leadership. Today, I'm excited to share portions of a conversation I recently had with Gabriel Grant. I stumbled across a research project Gabriel did while completing his PhD at Yale. You'll hear more about that project and the findings in just a few minutes. But let me introduce you to Gabriel. I love these headline descriptions from his bio. It starts with dad, husband, author, culture consultant, and coach. Gabriel's life is lived in service of creating a world where all life flourishes together through people experiencing their life as a calling. We'll talk about that in a moment. His work supports organizations in crafting cultures of purpose, trust, and engagement by aligning the pursuits of personal, organizational, and planetary flourishing. Gabriel is the CEO of Human Partners and co-founder of the Byron Fellowship Educational Foundation. We're delighted to have Gabriel join us for today's conversation. And we're joining the conversation in progress. There were several things in Gabriel's bio that intrigued me. One of those was that phrase, experiencing life as a calling. He shared this was one of his major insights from a summer spent abroad in Kallenberg, Denmark, doing a research project. After being there for about a week, he started to notice something. The people he encountered, regardless of their title, position, or what many of us listening might consider mundane work that they were doing, they were excited and enthusiastic, actually more excited and enthusiastic about what they were doing than 99% of the people he had met during his time at Purdue or Yale. So then I asked Gabriel, what flourishing means to you? You know, business, business is, is uh, people organizing themselves, right? The, the, right. The, the business is a uh, social construct, right? It's, a, it's an idea. Uh, around how we organize ourselves. And so fundamentally, uh, there are people and, and flourishing. I, I, like to, I like to look at flourishing at three different scales. Or okay. kind of, that's, how I, that's how I try to wrap my head around it. So at the individual level, uh, you're looking at uh, questions like how do people flourish? How do people thrive? What is that? And the domain of literature around that is positive psychology. Right, there's the PERMA model uh, by Martin Seligman, which is positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning or purpose, and the sense of accomplishment. Uh, at the business level, there's another, there's a whole other domain of research uh, called positive organizations, and that looks at how do organizations flourish and people inside of them. Okay, so you have you have you, you don't abandon the positive psychology. It's just on top of that, we're looking at cultural practices, leadership practices, such that people and organizations are flourishing. And between those two literatures, they're beginning to connect a lot of the dots between, well, what does it mean uh, to have people that are internally motivated? What does that mean for innovation? 
Uh, what does that mean for performance? What does that mean for uh, employee retention? What have you? What have you? And and that that research uh, is is all pretty new. Like we're talking the last decade or two, um, maybe some things that are three decades old. But it, it's very it's very new. It's expanding very rapidly. Uh, and and then the other I, I said three scales. So the third scale is sort of this macro scale. Uh, which I, I use the word sustainability, but it's it's the it's the possibility of humans and on all life, right, and other life flourishing on Earth forever, and and that's where where again we're still looking at individuals, we're still looking at organizations and societies, and we're looking at this this whole system, right, and and how do we come at that, and that's where we start to look at things like product lifecycle analysis or you know, IPCC reports or, you know, the UN development goals, like how do we uh, wrap our heads around societal scale or planetary scale flourishing? And, and again, that's still connected to business, right? How do, how do our products impact that? How do our, how do our businesses and organizations impact that? Uh, how do I want to, how do I, what do I need to do to be relevant as a business in, in the future? And, and so on and so forth. So I, I don't think, uh, you can't separate any of those uh, from business, uh, and it depends on who I'm talking to when I use the word flourishing and what, it, how I kind of plug in, right, to uh, to what they're concerned about, uh, what scale they're concerned about, and thus what language or how I'm how I'm going to talk to them about it. Okay, so <clears throat> what prompted our conversation today? Uh, it's, we originally met because of a paper you published exploring the possibility of peak individualism, a society's existential crisis, and an emerging age of purpose. And I'm trying to remember what was the query I was doing, but I was, I was really around that. It was that emerging age of purpose. So how did you get interested in the study of purpose? And when you start studying purpose, what's the definition of purpose you're using for that study? How are you defining purpose? Sure. Uh, well, let's go back. Uh, I'll rewind a bit to my dream of all life flourishing together through people experiencing their life as a calling. And when I came up with that, uh, the word calling spoke to me. Uh, and the reason the word calling spoke to me was because I, when I hear the word calling, I hear like this pro-social purpose, right? And and what I actually learned. Um, in my research is that is that people don't have shared definitions for these words so where i hear pro-social when you use the word calling or purpose some people don't hear that dimension that 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 dimension is not in how they would define the word if they were asked to define it and so there isn't uh, really a good uh a, a good word that i can use that's going to reach everybody and communicate what lights me up uh, how did I get interested in it? How did I start? So, so uh, I've been for a long time now supporting young purpose-driven leaders from around the world through a program I created called Byron Fellowship. And uh, we create transformational programming to support uh, young leaders who are creating extraordinary companies, projects around the world. And I'm always looking for uh, whatever I can get from research or other domains to support them. And, and uh, I happen to have a, a 
giant pile. I don't, I've never told this story before. I had a giant pile of research articles about purpose that I wanted to read and digest on my desk. But that, didn't, that wasn't my primary dissertation focus at the time. And then uh, Echoing Green came to me, and they, have a, they, they were creating a program called Work on Purpose to help support purpose development in high schools and undergraduate institutions. And they said, we need to understand the, the research around purpose. And I said, great, I've got it all right here in this, <laughs> this pile on my desk. So I did a, a large literature review on uh, purpose research. And uh, what I found, and you're asking me a definite, uh, what I found regarding a definition, I, I haven't found a definition that I'm in love with. Uh, but what I found is that it's important to understand there's, there's three dimensions that are important to me. Uh, one is that uh, it's internally motivated. Like I'm doing it because uh, it's who I am. It's what I want to do. Uh, it's, it, that, that is a really powerful dimension to what I talk about when I, when I use the word purpose. Another one is that, it, is that it's simply it's engaged. It's happening. And these are, these are the dimensions that uh, were identified uh, by William Damon. Uh, so, the, so the second one is it's engaged, right? You're actually doing things. It's not just a thought or an intention or an idea, right? It's you're taking action. You're engaged. And the third dimension is this pro-social dimension where you're you're helping others. You're creating a better world. You're contributing to someone other than yourself. You know, it's not just I, I want to be a race car driver because I want to be a race car driver. That's internally motivated. You can be taking action, uh, but but there isn't a pro-social dimension. And, and so for me, that's just boring. I agree with Gabriel around this idea of true purpose or what around here we call higher purpose. It always involves others. It's bigger than you personally, and it goes beyond you. Anything besides that falls short of the pro-social definition. And let's make the world a better place concept. Now, about that research project that brought us together originally. Gabriel shared that the genesis of that project came from a question in a conversation he had with Linda K. Klein, who was heading up Echoing Green's work on purpose. And she asked, how would we know if we're winning, if there's more purpose in the world? Gabriel was perplexed that he didn't know the answer, so he made it the subject of a research project. Granted, it seems or feels like there is some more talk about purpose in the world, but then there are the competing narratives about millennials. On one hand, they're the we generation and passionate about purpose. But then on the other hand, millennials are regarded as the me generation, and it's all about me. So Gabriel admitted he faced these challenges because in the world he lives in, he's surrounded by people who are all passionate about purpose. And so there's two very different narratives, and we were talking earlier, and uh, you know, I so said, kind of, like, I'm in the, I'm in the Generation We bubble, right? <laughs> From my perspective, it looks like we're Generation We because I've self-selected purpose-driven leaders and filled my life with them. Uh, but uh, how would I possibly know whether, whether that's just my self-selected bubble and experience of the world or whether this is actually a larger cultural trend? And so uh, the study that, that I conducted was using uh, Google Ngrams, looking at what Google Ngrams allows you to do is it allows you to look at all of the digitized books 
uh, in that Google has gone to university libraries, they've contacted publishers, they've, they've attempted to digitize almost all of the world's books. But when the, the database I had had about 5% of the world's books, right? So, and what we can do is we can look over the history of time, how our language has changed. And we can start to notice cultural patterns in what, what our interests are, you know, as a species. Mm-hmm. And it turns out what I, what I discovered is that uh, this is not just a bubble uh, for me uh, that I've surrounded myself with purpose-driven people. This is a cultural trend on a societal, if not a planetary scale. And one of the questions was, well, purpose has always been, you know, as long as there's been written history, people have been interested in the pursuit of purpose. Is this something that's new today? And, and my research said, yes. In fact, it's, it's, uh, it, uh, it's growing exponentially starting uh, around 1980 and up, and it's at an all-time high and could possibly still be growing exponentially. So this is a new trend or movement that could point to the existence of a, a purpose revolution or a purpose economy or a purpose era. But not completely new. It's just the level of interest is new. Is that what you're... That's not a new idea. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, what, what Google Ungrams allows us to look at is the popularity of the idea over time. Yes. And so the popularity is, is, is at a height, uh, especially in U.S. literature, particularly U.S. literature that it's never been at before, right? where it is a new paradigm in, in, the, in the popularity of this idea. Absolutely. And I just want to make that distinction because, you know, philosophers throughout the centuries have been enamored with the idea of purpose and the quest isn't brand new, but the scale of it totally agree. And, you know, I I can look at just since, and I'm trying to remember, uh, early 2000s was when the book that's the most popular book on purpose written by Rick Warren, you know, the purpose driven life kind of hit main stage and all of a sudden, Purpose is being talked about in all kinds of places where for me, just a few years ago, you know, a decade and a half ago, it seemed like nonprofit sector had a lock on purpose. And now purpose has permeated all types of business and and people, you know, everywhere are discussing purpose. So, yeah, and you can see that in the engram. There's actually this growth that's documented. Yeah, so what so Ngrams is fun because you can anyone right now can Google N the the letter N and then Gram G R A M and it'll take you to a uh, uh, one little website that shows a graph and you can put any word in there and you can look at the popularity of that word uh, the frequency of use over time. Now, if you type in the word purpose, excuse me, you're going to see some trends. Uh, but then what it allows you to do is you can click on uh, below the graph and you can see how that word is being used in the actual books and the paragraphs in the books uh, that it's representing when when you look at the graph and the and the the overall trends or frequency of the word use and and if you if you start to dig into it you'll see that if you just search for the word purpose that uh, that word gets used in a lot of different ways it's not necessarily it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, you know, right. the, the purpose of the hammer is to hit the nail. Right. That's not talking about what we're talking about. 
But if you type, start to type in things like life's purpose or purpose in life or yes. purposeful life or purpose, you know, then you can see that, oh, all of a sudden now I've got a, a 98% hit rate in the, the uh, when I type purpose in life, the phrase that I'm using actually means what I'm talking about. And now I can look at the evolution of that idea or the, the frequency, the popularity of that idea over time. Okay, so let's drill down, not in the data, but drill down in the conversation, and let's talk about purpose in business, uh, because this is something you're involved in, have been involved in. You, you help companies and executives in company create or craft cultures of purpose, right, Gabriel? Yeah, so like I, like I was mentioning, you know, I want a world where all life flourishes together. And the pathway I've seen toward creating that, uh, both in my research on industrial symbiosis and this, this use of products and byproducts is food webs rather than food chains is what we, I call industrial symbiosis. Uh, and uh, working in other firms that were out to make the world a better place, what I've noticed is that people are experiencing their work as, as, per, as their purpose, right? So then, so then my my question became, how do I create and support and develop that? Okay. And so as you've been on that journey, what does that look like? And what, what's the journey inside of an organization that you've been involved with? And how do you help them kind of navigate that journey? Right. Well, it's very different depending on where they are. Right. <laughs> right. Not everybody's at the same point. <laughs> right, we're all in different space. So, uh, so let's let's talk about where where can you be along that journey. So, uh, one place you can be along that journey is you're just getting started. Yeah. You um, are a, a business owner or leader or you know team leader or and you you have this, you have a, a, I like to call it hidden purpose. You know, you have purpose, but it's not expressed. Right. It's present in your work. Uh, and uh, you're not sure what would happen if it was. <laughs> right? You're not sure how that would, how that would impact things. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like, well, I would like for my people to be internally motivated, but I don't know what would happen if we tried to do that. You know, I, I, it's a little bit intimidating too. And, and so at that level, uh, it can really be about, uh, it's, it's always about a personal transformation. It's always about creating a personal transformation, both for the leadership and how, and how can uh, people guide others through that. Um, and in that instance, it can be like, well, let's run some experiments. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's there's this awakening, right? right. So there's that pre-purpose life when you just have no idea, right? Um, there there is hidden purpose, and it's completely hidden from you, and you've never even thought, well, gosh, there is a purpose. And then there's a this awakening, and you're like, well, what would that be like? And you do some of those experiments, but then we have companies now that are on this different spectrum. They've actually started right out of purpose. Right. They've come we together. Have yeah, we have a lot of awesome companies uh, that are out there in the world that have uh, very inspiring missions, and they're up to incredible things. And uh, and and kind of the myth is that boy, if we you know if we could just get there, then we could all sit in a circle and sing "Kumbaya," and it would all be it would all be better off, right? Um, you know, and it it turns out, um, you know, I I, uh, 
I, I had him do this little cartoon. I wish I had it in front of me, but it, it's, it's, it's has, uh, you know, it's, they're facing these problems with, uh, uh, recruitment, employee recruitment, retention and motivation. And they say, you know, I, what we need is purpose. Right. And then one year later, they're looking at the chalkboard and, and they've got climate change and, you know, our, our social footprint and our, uh, you know, we're, we're now we're looking at our employee flourishing and, you know, what's our water use and like, you know, the, the board's just filled with a hundred more objectives that are all problems and you still have the original ones, right? <laughs> it's like, well, welcome to the purpose driven organization. You know, it's, it's, uh, you're choosing to internalize, you're choosing to make your own, uh, these social, these societal objectives, right? I, I'm, I'm choosing to want to, to contribute to something, right? And then once I've, once I've done that, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with a person, a place, an idea, uh, and, I'm, and I'm working to contribute to that, now I've got a problem. <laughs> now I've got a problem. And, and so then it gets to be a lot of fun. It's like, how do, we, how do we take on these problems that are present for us to execute on for us to fulfill on our purpose. And that, that's a, that's a different, uh, that's sort of a different stage uh, where, where you get to meet and work with a client. Gabriel shared an observation that you've heard me explore before. Yes, purpose is good for business, but that's not a sustainable reason for pursuing purpose. Nor should you pursue purpose out of a doomsday mentality that we'll all die. We pursue purpose because we're wired for purpose. It's who we are, and it's how we create the world we desire. Then Gabriel and I talked about purpose washing. Perhaps you know what that is, or you can figure it out. Companies jumping on the purpose bandwagon for the goodwill they'll get, not because it's really in their heart to do it. So I asked Gabriel, can you give me an example of a company you really admire who pursued purpose for the right reasons? He had an interesting answer. You know, I want to I, I want to highlight uh, the experiment. I'll say the experiment of Whole Foods, circa 2010. Okay, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about Whole Foods today. I haven't I haven't uh, worked with Whole Foods in quite some time, and I don't know what it what it is today. Um, I think it's it's probably very different, uh, and yet. Uh, Around 2010, when I did, when I was uh, working briefly with them, there was this beautiful. So usually, when we talk about the purpose-driven organization, people think of an organization with a purpose, and then creating alignment with that purpose, so that their employees share that purpose. And Whole Foods was totally not doing that. You know, Whole Foods was like the post-purpose organization. And they were thinking, we want purpose-driven people who are pursuing their own purpose and co-opting the company to accomplish their purpose. And out of that uh, milieu or chaos that ensues, something incredible will happen. We have no idea what. And I was profoundly inspired by that model. You know, what I found is that working with clients, when you give people the freedom and space to identify their individual purpose the 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 people's purpose each individual's purpose not the company purpose 
um, then ironically what happens, and, and sometimes employers are afraid to do that. You know, it's like, well, if they identified their purpose, then they might leave. You know, <laughs> it's not the company purpose to leave, right? Um, but ironically, what happens is you have someone that's just focused, like my, I'm all about integrity and creating integrity and uh, I'm all about uh, creating security for the families of the employees that work here, right? And, and you need that person in your organization. Mm-hmm. You also need someone who's all about creating kindness, right? You also need someone who's all about contributing to the, it, to the, it, to our environment, the planet, right? You need all of these purposes expressed to have a healthy, successful organization in, and to ha- to the, in which people are self-organizing for the flourishing of the organization and each other and the planet. And if you're trying to identify the company purpose and then have everyone align with that, Ironically, what happens is, is you have people uh, experiencing oppression. And my research found people experiencing oppression in companies that you would identify and that we, we would both celebrate as purpose-driven companies, <laughs> where they felt like they were not allowed you know, to express, they had secret purpose that they were doing things that nobody knew about, you know, to express their, their secret purpose, you know, and, and if it could just come alive, you know, meanwhile, you'd have someone in HR saying, oh, I really, you know, if we, we need to focus more on this, we don't know how to focus on that. You got the secret subversive employee over here doing that already, but not allowed to, for anybody to know. It's, it, so, so Whole Foods was in this experiment for how do we unlock this uh, for everyone and what comes out of that. And so that was when you, when you ask what companies I admire, um, that, you know, Whole Foods circa 2010, uh, what happened was, uh, they weren't, um, I think John Mackey, uh, gave a talk recently about this. They weren't a, a for benefit company. And so when investors came in that were just focused on the bottom line, they couldn't defend themselves against that. And, and so they didn't have the legal structure in place to keep uh, their purpose-driven mm. experiment alive. Uh, and, I, and I have no idea what it looks like today. So I'm not, I'm not remarking on what's going on in Whole Foods today. Um, but there was, I, uh, there, there was a... Well, what I hear you saying, though, there was this ecosystem that supported thriving and flourishing of personal purpose rather than co-opting personal purpose and say, if you have purpose, here's how you express it. It must be tied to this purpose statement and it must fit in the sandbox that we have said, here is our purpose. So make sure your purpose fits our purpose or leave. Right. And, And ironically, what happens, at least when I've worked with clients, um, they're always surprised by, uh, wow, people identified their individual purpose. They're totally different. And yet we can all see how they contribute to the shared purpose that attracted us to work at this company. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, it takes a village, like it takes, it takes all these different kinds, uh, to really create something extraordinary here. And that gets unlocked. That's kind of based on what I would think, not being a researcher, but is this fallacy that some people have that there's only one way to express my purpose. So if I, if I, if this is my purpose, I need to align myself with a company that also has that exact same purpose. And then, then I am aligned versus some of the examples you were given 
giving of people who that's their purpose. Gosh, they could do that purpose in multiple jobs. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can you can use the opposite logic where, you know, if this is my purpose. I need to go uh, subvert co-ops, uh, be an entrepreneur inside an organization that doesn't express that at all. Right? <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, exactly what you're what you're pointing to. I like to think uh, when I talk to people about purpose, uh, rather than reifying it like it's a thing or something you have, uh, I say it's an inquiry. You know, mm. It's an inquiry to be in. Yeah. And it's worth being in that inquiry, right? So, so that sort of uh, takes off the pressure, the significance um, of having to have the right purpose or to find your purpose or to like you're, you can be in the inquiry or, or not. And, and you can be in the inquiry at any time. And in fact, you know, I, I, I identified this, uh, this dream of all life flourishing together through people experiencing their life as a calling. And it lit me up for years. And then one day, uh, someone asked me, you know, what are you up to? And I, I said, well, my life's organized around the world where a dream where all life flourishes together through people experiencing their life as a calling. And and they could like hear the weight that that had on me, not like the aliveness that was being generated, but like the, you know, it's almost like crushing me. And they said, are you sure? <laughs> and that was a great prompt to go looking like, is this, you know, but I'm back in the inquiry, right? Like, it, you know, what, uh, how do I want to contribute? What, what enlivens me? You know, what am I inspired? How do I maximize my contribution to the world? Um, and that gets into that your understanding of purpose can change over time. It can change. Right. And in fact, if you, it, to, to me, if I think that I've, it's fixed, if I think I'm now stuck with it, that's a different experience of purpose, right? Yeah. It's no longer internally motivated. If it, if, if this is my purpose because I chose it, 10 years ago, that's not, it's, it, I'm not choosing it now. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's important is to have that freedom. And like I, I said, I like to frame it as an inquiry rather than a thing to have. So that, that gets back to me. It's the journey. It's not the destination purpose is a journey and it's a perpetual journey. And it does, it, it may change over time. All right. So there were a couple of things you said earlier that, that, I heard hooks to the book, uh, the book you and Jay wrote, Breaking Through Gridlock. So tell us about that before we wrap up here. Yeah, so Breaking Through Gridlock, The Power of Conversation in a Polarized World, uh, we wrote a field manual for, uh, for advocates, for people that wanted to create change in the world, right? And, and you know, purpose-driven people often have something they want to cause. They want to affect the world in, in some way. And uh, we used to say that, you know, but, but you don't necessarily have the authority or the power to make that happen. More and more, I'm finding that even CEOs don't, don't have the power you know, to, to command their employees to, you know, to create the changes they want. So, so that's kind of a myth. But uh, anyone who's trying to affect change ends up stepping into these difficult conversations where they're sharing their values uh, or sharing what's very important to them with others and uh, in a way that they hope sort of inspires or affects others to take action or 
uh, side with them or vote or, you know, what have you. And uh, we're in this, we're in this a lot. And like I said, uh, the uh, conventional strategy of other people don't value what you value. So translate what you value into what they value uh, often goes off the rails. So <laughs> what we created uh, was a, was a handbook or a field guide uh, for people that are immersed in those conversations. So how do I have uh, effective conversations in the midst of what could be uh, tremendous ideological divides uh, or uh, even with people on side that I'm just not seemingly not having the, the effectiveness that I want with. And the book's really for, for two uh, scenarios. One, it, it matters to me. It both matters to me. The relationship in and of itself is important. And there's something I want to accomplish. There's, there's really something, there's a change I want to affect. If, if you're all about the relationship, there's better books for you. If you want to affect change and you don't care <laughs> at the expense of the relationship, there's better methods for that too. Um, and if they both really matter, that's, that's for the situation where we wrote the book. And I'm working through the book and I love the book that it's this, as you say, field book and it's exercise, activity driven, reflection driven. It's not just something you kind of read and go, I got it. You really process it and reflect back on those encounters that went well and some of those encounters that you're talking about that did not go well. So Gabriel, for folks that want more of you, where, where do we point them? Yeah, so you can point them to uh, breakingthroughgridlock.com is a, is a great place to point them. And also uh, human.partners is my consultancy. Uh, okay. but definitely the, the book was written to uh, uh, so that I didn't have to be the bottleneck for people that wanted more of me, right? So we're publishing more content and, and making more work available. And uh, check out breakingthroughgridlock.com and you'll see our Twitter feeds and social feeds and what have you uh, that point to other articles and things that I'm writing. Okay. Well, Gabriel, thanks for joining us and thanks for contributing to this conversation on the Higher Purpose Podcast. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you especially for the work that you're doing in the world and making this available for everyone. I hope you're carrying some takeaways with you from this conversation. Here are the thoughts that are lingering in my mind. Purpose, especially to qualify as higher purpose, has to be others-centered. Something bigger than you and beyond you is absolutely essential. What's that in your business life or leadership? Gabriel's singing my song when he believes that to really tap into the power of purpose in and for your organization requires unlocking purpose for everyone, not just a few at the top. The way I say that is cascading purpose so that it permeates the organization, every level of it. It was a research study that originally connected us, and it was a question that prompted the research study. How do we know if we're winning with purpose? Winning with purpose in business life and leadership is my desire for you. If you're not winning the way you want to be winning, why don't you join me for a one-on-one -on -one laser conversation? It's an opportunity to connect and figure out a next step towards you flourishing. And it's absolutely free. Sign up for it at kevindemonroe.com forward slash work. Thanks for joining us today. Until our next conversation, live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. 
If you're stuck at work and you need to rethink how purpose can help your leadership skills and improve your bottom line, set up a free laser coaching call with Kevin. Go to kevindmonroe.com slash work.